1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Wow,
0: wow, wow. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think
2: he's kind of a boob. You can't really take the day off as a person. You can't go out there and be a
3: moron. It doesn't work like right that. The Nightcap. We're eating your food. On WGR Sports Radio 550.
2: Alright, where do you wanna to start tonight? Not with the sabres. Is the Ron <laughs> Is the Rondell Moore dream dead? I don't think it's dead. Wasn't a good day. Well, it was a good day for Rondell Moore personally. Not a good day for the Bills match. A four two nine forty. Unbelievable. The guy jumped like twenty feet in the air. That's not real. Um could be. I don't know he's so interesting I can't what do you w-
1: think you could run a 40 time in me
2: yeah I think I do you have any
1: frame of reference
2: a little bit I think I did this I did it in high school and I did it like a year or two ago uh in high school uh, what was it four nine maybe a little quicker than that so you're like a quick offensive lineman I guess <laughs> I think like- I could do better those those watches you know they they're a little delayed on the hand if you're right. not a professional coach, you gotta you gotta anticipate when they're gonna cross the finish line because the amount of time, how much
1: time does it take to click the button? Well, maybe one they, seconds. Maybe they do it in uh, anticipation of you crossing. They start pressing the button when you're you know a couple yards yeah, away. I don't know. I think I could run a four seven five. A four seven five. I think I could do it. I think you're overestimating yourself.
2: I think I could do it. So if we've we ever laser, seen me run,
1: I don't care who you are. Like I feel like <laughs> if you if you ran a four seven five, I don't know. I I you'd have like a better athletic career I'd think who who runs a 475 in the NFL
2: is that a slow tight end are we still at offensive linemen are we at Joe Flacco Mac
1: Jones just ran a 481 do you think you're a faster runner than Mac Jones
2: Ooh. now now I'm not
1: as confident I
2: wish you didn't tell me that Mac Jones ran a 481 because now I'm <laughs> do you think
1: you're confident. a faster runner than the no, starting quarterback of Alabama I will not say that no Um,
2: (laughs) I might be faster than the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but not of the uh, (laughs) Alabama Crimson Tide. It's the nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. What would you run, by the way?
1: I have no idea. I haven't run off 40 since like I was in fourth grade Mm -hmm. and that was like eight seconds. Okay. All
2: right. Well, the bills re-signed Isaiah McKenzie. That's kind of the reason we're not gonna spend all night on this, but that's kind of the reason that I launched into, I think the Rondell Moore dream might be dead. Part of my thinking for why that might still be a possibility was I felt there was still a role for him. Now it might not be the role that many other teams would draft him and put him in because I think he could go start right now in the slot for half the league. I mean, he's probably going to be drafted to do that. Like green Bay is going to take him and he's going to play inside and he's going to play 70% of the time on offense. And I didn't think that was in the cards for the bills. Once they re or once they signed Emmanuel Sanders, But before the McKenzie signing, they still needed a fifth guy, another slot guy behind Beasley because Sanders is getting a lot of love for his ability to run in the slot. He's very good at it. But the last couple of years, he's around 20% of his snap share coming from the slot. So it's not like he does it on a full-time basis. Diggs kind of the same thing. Like He's very good at it, but you want those guys on the outside. Gabriel Davis too. So who's the immediate – back up to Cole Beasley that would see an increase in workload should he ever go out with injury, that has been Isaiah McKenzie. And I thought that role, plus the returner role, was in play. That was available. And Rondell Moore would have fit that, kind of developing maybe even behind Beasley. Beasley's not a spring chicken. He's 31 years old. He might not have more than two years left with the Bills, but I think that's what's left on his contract. So it's like, all right, this guy's going to play for you eventually, and he's going to serve a role for you right now, and I don't really have any other holes, so kind of a luxury pick. But you re-sign McKenzie. I love Rondell Moore, and my slogan's been Rondell Moore no matter what, and this would qualify as no matter what, is having nowhere for him to maybe play. But them signing McKenzie, I think he's their returner, and I think he plays the same role on offense that he has, which
1: means I think they're probably done
2: at wide receiver.
1: I'm really interested in their philosophy and their way of attacking this draft, because from the outside looking in, there really aren't many glaring needs. There aren't many glaring holes. So is this strictly going to be a best player available draft or are they going to try to upgrade certain positions that could use some work? You know, we've talked a little bit about cornerback. We've talked a little bit about Rondell Moore and how they need speedier offensive weapons. But bringing back McKenzie, to your point, kind of negates the need for that. Uh, But I don't think this completely takes them out of it. If they really like Rondell Moore and he's sitting there at 61, I believe they pick in the second round, I don't know if he'll make it there. I don't. I don't think that he'll be the 30th pick in the draft. But if he's sitting there at 61, I don't think... That the bills necessarily care as much about roster need because there simply aren't that many roster spots to fill with the draft. I
2: wish they could get up and get Kyle Pitts. I was playing
1: around with this on Twitter. Let's talk about Kyle Pitts. I, I don't. They they can't do it. <laughs> I want them in every way to be able to do it. I what what uh, where does he need to fall for you to really consider thinking about it? I think he needs to fall to nine. I can't see him. Making
2: it past Dallas. I think that makes a ton. The Cowboys need a l- stuff on defense.
1: They need so much on defense. They don't you, really, have... you don't think that it can get past Dallas? I think
2: Jerry Jones is going to fall in love with the idea of Kyle Pitts paired with his new $40 million quarterback. Well, at least newly paid $40 million quarterback. And he's going to want to just air it out. And I think, if, I think Jerry Jones will get swept up with the idea of, oh my God, Dak throwing to... Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Kyle Pitts, I'm in. Maybe you're right. Maybe someone with a more of a football acumen gets in his ear and says, we need a defensive tackle. No one's going to know who he is other than in Dallas. He's not going to put up sack numbers, but he's going to help our run defense. Maybe that happens with Dallas. They but need, I need a corner. Wor- I need worried. They need I a be safety. Because they don't have a tight end. They have Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin coming off a torn ACL. Yeah. That doesn't rate to me. So, they'd be the team I worried about. But 9 or 10, right around there. Maybe you work with the Cowboys. But again, to go from 30 to 10 or
1: 9, that's an astronomical price you're paying. You're paying next year's first. and it's, I, do, I don't think it's that much more than that. I don't. Is it a
2: second on top of that? Because, so you actually earlier before we went on the air... You brought up the example of the Chiefs moving up to get Patrick Mahomes. The Bills went from 10 to 27, and Kansas City gave them a first-round pick the next year and maybe a throw-in. Maybe there's a fourth-round pick there or a fifth-round pick. Saran Neal, I feel like, is in that trade. Is that a fifth-round pick? Probably. Um, So, it costs you one first to go up 17 spots. So, you're in the ballpark because 10, we're talking 20 spots, but... That's if he falls there. I don't – the way it's sounding, th- like I'm hearing people say he would be the first wide receiver, second wide receiver drafted if he was a wide receiver, and I, I can't imagine he makes it that far. I think people, someone People are saying,
1: it. why would the Dolphins not just take him at three? He's that good. Yeah. There's a, there's a possibility he's – the maybe it's not even a possibility. Maybe it's just it's an probably not. objective reality that he's the best tight end prospect ever. Mm-hmm. It'd I be interesting. See, here's the thing reality. with the with the Dolphins though. They already had. They already have a solid tight end in Gasicki. Yep. Do you take pits there? S- Do you trade down? Do you just take Jamar Chase? I don't
2: know if I would care who my tight end is if he's the best tight end prospect ever and he would be the second wide receiver picked. What aren't people projecting
1: his forty time at like a four four eight? No, he ran like a four four six. He did. Yeah, oh. yesterday I believe. God, I mean. He's gonna be faster than most receivers. I don't trust the, the times as much this year. They all seem a little bit faster, and I don't think it's a coincidence that there's not a uh, you know it's a fair. combine. But regardless, it's not like they're point .2 or .3 seconds off the mark. Right. If he's running in the ballpark of a four four six, I mean, my goodness. So what what would be your limit? What would be your limit? If I told you
2: you can go get Kyle Pitts, he's fallen far enough, and the team that's in that spot wants. Blank, they want two firsts and a second.
1: What if they want
2: three firsts. Now let me like pose what's this the, what's to you: the, What's the line in the sand?
1: Let me pose this to you: What if a guy like Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, or Devonte Smith are at the same spot? Would you prefer Pitts to one of those guys?
2: I think I would, just because I don't. It's kind of the Rondell Moore argument, although those players are
1: more. It's going to be hard to get them snaps.
2: Yeah, it would be hard to get him snaps. I don't see the glaring need. It'd be fun, and I think they would use them, no doubt. They would get them on the field more than they would a Rondell Moore or Rashad Bateman, these kind of second-tier wide receivers. Um, but no, Pitts is playing every snap All right. of the whole
1: season. So he, he, we'll just keep we'll keep the conversation of Pitts then exclusively about Pitts. How far so. would I go? I am in the win now because this is your best chance to win a Super Bowl mode. And if that – means mortgaging a little bit of your future draft capital i'm in it and i'm not usually about that i love draft picks and if i'm gonna trade a draft pick for someone i want it to be for a guy like stefan diggs i don't typically like the idea of trading up i don't like giving up quantity for quality Mm -hmm. usually but in this case i think i would because in my mind kyle pitts is a can't miss prospect at tight end and You could make an argument that the Bills are about a tight end away from having perhaps the best offense in the NFL.
2: I think I can get on board with that. And Pitts is the only guy that's yet to pick a team that's not on a team right now that it comes as a massive upgrade over what you presently have. Everyone else has picked a landing spot. I mean, Kyle Rudolph now, there's maybe some doubt that he's going to end up with the Giants because of this failed physical. Uh, Could be a breeze situation there where the team thinks he needs surgery, the player doesn't, and he'll go somewhere else. But for the most part, he's the guy left. You're in a spot where you can't really go get him unless you're willing to pay an astronomical price. There are two schools of thought. One is you've never had a good tight end. You've never had a tight end like this ever in your entire franchise's history. And that's a reason to do it. The other argument is, holy cow, you're paying what for a tight end? I know he might be the best tight end prospect ever, but he's a tight end. I'm spending a quarterback price. That's maybe going to be a hard sell, and that's why I think at the end of the day, it's com- almost completely unrealistic that he will end up a Buffalo Bill, and it's oh, probably of course, not even worth. Of
1: course, about. it's unrealistic, but I there are so it's many fun. ways to talk about the draft, especially with it being still a little bit over a month away. And I love and even if Kyle Pitts is there's a very there's a very good possibility that Kyle Pitts is a top five draft pick. And then this never even comes to fruition that we even be talking about the Mm -hmm. fact of him getting to that target area of like nine through 12 of the possibility of trading up. Yeah, but I still like talking about trading up because Brandon Bean has traded up several times before. He traded up to get Josh Allen. He traded up to get Tremaine Edmonds. He's not afraid of trading up. Mm -hmm. Does that mean he's going to give next year's first in a massive move to trade up for something, whether that's Kyle Pitts or not? I don't know. But the conversation is fun because I'm not sure what they're going to do in this draft because there's just really nothing that needs needs to be done. I think they need to get a cornerback. Yeah, They need to draft a cornerback in the yeah, t- their top three picks. That's kind of my only, like, that's what they should do and feeling. And looking through their cap over the weekend, they
2: are over the cap. At least SpotTrack has it. There are probably some inner mechanisms that right now have them being underneath the cap, like maybe some restructured contracts that we don't know about. Maybe it's even happened with Tredavious White or Deion Dawkins moving some money around. But Track has them right at the cap, if not a little bit over. And you've got 6 to $7 million coming in rookie draft picks. So, they really have no room to add a corner. If they wanted Richard Sherman right now, or has Adoree Jackson picked a team? Isn't he
1: going to be a giant? Maybe he's going to be a giant. I think he's going to be, yeah. he's. I believe he's a giant. Okay. He signed like a three-year, thirty-nine million dollar deal to be the really to for, with New York. I Fuller believe. Fuller landed
2: in Denver like within five minutes of his being released by Chicago. Kyle that Fuller. was known
1: a couple days before because they That's had the right. whole like weird. Yeah, he's not really released, but he is released so, kind of thing. So we'll stick with Sherman.
2: If Sherman even would come here for six million bucks, which probably is a lot less than I think he ends up getting, the Bills I don't think can afford it, which is why I'm kind of left at. That first round pick, the betting favored right now for them would have to be corner, because I just don't see how they add to that position of real with a player of real value, like other than just bringing in, you know, EJ Gaines for the seventh time. You know, I think the first round pick is the avenue to upgrade that position, and it's why right now, if I had to bet on what position
1: they'll take, it will be corner. That would be my bet as well, and there is precedent, even with the Bills of a late first-round pick coming in and starting right away. That's what Tredavious White was. You know, the the bills are set up in a way where a cornerback drafted that late can come in and be a day-one contributor, especially since you're not asking him to be the number-one corner. You already have a stud in Tredavious White. I do think they need to look at upgrading the cornerback room. Does that mean that? Levi Wallace has no shot at being the starter or Dane Jackson has no start at or no shot at being a starter opposite Trey White. No, but I agree with you in that that would be my bet Mm -hmm. if they're staying at 30, which I don't think they're going to stay at 30. I think they're going to move one way or the other. That's kind of the way Brandon Bean operates. They're going to lock onto a guy and they're going to try to get that guy. That's kind of my feeling. I don't think they're going to be drafting at 30 come draft night, but if I had to guess, a corner. And this is a good corner draft. There's a bunch of guys. Uh, so we'll see how that impacts and where some of those guys would fall. Let's While we're kind of – we were talking about pits in the top of the draft and moving up,
2: we're still kind of on the top of the draft. The The quarterbacks are going to be so interesting there. And this Jets thing today let, – let, let's turn our attention to the AFC East for a few minutes here because right now the Bills can't do much more. Like, they're they're going into the season the way they are. They're going to be basically the same team they were last year. Running back. Maybe some some minor upgrades, and maybe they come in with a different running back. Maybe they do that. Maybe they have a different corner. So there are things they can still do. But for the most part, this team is set. And we pretty much know what they're going to be. The coaching staff, too, is coming back. Like, everything's coming back. We, We have a good idea of what the Bills are. The Patriots are a question mark. The Dolphins... Are a question mark. I think I know the Jets are going to stink, but for the future with them, quarterback, Darnold is still there. And you've got this, you got Corey Davis today, their new wide receiver, saying that he came there with the understanding that Darnold is the guy. And I don't know if they just outright lied to Corey Davis, or if Corey Davis just doesn't know what he's talking about, or if they really do plan on going ahead with Sam Darnold. But that just seems wild to me that that's going to end up, that that could even happen that they would go with Darnold one year left on his rookie deal before you have to decide whether to pay him big to pass up on a am I okay saying historically good rookie quarterback class don't the, they say that every a, year they do next year they're not saying it
1: yeah next year's a bad year
2: next year's a bad year so if you're the Jets you might want to think about that like hey if this doesn't if Darnold is bad this year. And we are definitely on to someone new after that. We might be picking at the top of the draft, but it might not matter. We might be kicking ourselves for not having Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields. So, I think it's crazy that Darnold could be back there. But, what happens to him? I can't believe he'd be there with that rookie. And no one has a starting job available. Who, who's got a starting job left? I guess Chicago could could circle back to Darnold. But, Dar- Andy Dalton said they told him he's the starter, so I don't think that's the case. There was that thing about Pete Carroll loving Sam Darnold. They have the USC connection, and Russell Wilson's been the talk of lots of trade rumors this year, so I guess you know if there's a crazy big trade between the Seahawks and Jets, that would get Darnold out of there, but then that's a whole other thing because then they're not drafting the rookie at two. Um, Indy's got their guy. Washington picked Fitzpatrick. Pittsburgh brought Ben Roethlisberger back. New Orleans brought Winston back. Find me the landing spot that makes sense for Sam Darnold today, because that's the hardest thing I'm having trouble with—not the value in picking a second, the second overall pick as a quarterback if you're the Jets, but it's finding a team right now that will hold Darnold as being,
1: you know, second, third round pick valuable. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't think. Anyone will find him. Yeah, I think that's completely sailed. And there's even, you saw last week, I assume, about that, you know, how uh, reporters, national reporters say, I have league sources that tell me, league executives tell me this, that fans and the media actually have a higher opinion of Darnold than league executives do, and what the league actually thinks of him. But in response to your question about what's a good landing spot, the only one that comes to mind as a possibility is Houston.
2: Hmm. And that's a Watson trade.
1: Maybe. It's got to be. We we have no idea what's going to happen with these legal problems that Watson is in right now. That's right. And they have, what, Tyrod Taylor? Mm -hmm. They just signed Tyrod Taylor. I don't think that money screams this is our starter. Yeah. But it might. What was it? It was like he could earn up to twelve million. But yeah. I guess Cam could earn up to that much. Like, I, he like could. You know how that language well, is written.
2: I, I guess the other thing that could happen is if, if Watson I mean, there's a lot of legal stuff going on with him right now, obviously, but let's say like Carolina makes the big swing and they go for, for Deshaun Watson and they give the value. They give Houston's okay taking the eighth overall pick, a first next year, maybe another first and a second. Like some crazy package from the Panthers. But Houston doesn't want Teddy Bridgewater. They want a future guy. They want a guy that they could sell to the organization as this could be a franchise quarterback, and they don't want Teddy Bridgewater. They could get to Sam Darnold after doing that deal. Maybe they would prefer him to Tua if Miami wanted to give them the third overall pick. So Houston makes some sense for me. I guess while I'm talking here, the other team that does also make sense is Pittsburgh. One, just stylistically, Darnold is kind of thought of as this kind of tough pass pocket passer. He was almost – he had Roethlisberger comparables coming into the draft.
1: He's much more mobile, but yeah.
2: Yeah, and Roethlisberger is on the way out. I mean, they re-signed him, but come on. I mean, if Darnold's there, that gives them the plan B they might want to save this season, have a guy to turn to. If this year, 2021, looks like last year where they started great and then it's, oh, no, we can't throw the football, we're screwed. They might want that Plan B, and at the same time, it gives you the heir apparent to Roethlisberger that they don't have and are not in position to acquire in this draft, unless they go get Mac Jones. So I kind of like Pittsburgh for Darnold, and that would open up the Jets to then be able to draft the quarterback at, at two.
1: How do we feel about that one?
2: I think I'm okay there.
1: I don't know. I just the whole Darnold thing is: uh, Do you really think they're gonna? They're not walking into the season with Sam Darnold. I
2: can't. I don't. I. How I, do you sell that to your fan I think base? it's more likely they outright lied to Corey Davis. <laughs> I, I No, I don't think he's going to be their quarterback week one.
1: How can you sell that to your fan, fan base when you are essentially... Like, in order for that to happen, in my mind, you essentially have to pass on three guys who are considered yeah. to be franchise-caliber talents. Maybe four. And I'm not saying Mac Jones should be drafted second overall, but there's obviously growing support for him to be a top 15 pick. We're talking about five quarterbacks? Yep. I don't know how you sell that to your fan base. I don't know. I you cannot if you're the Jets you cannot go in with Sam Darnold as your quarterback in September.
2: 803 is the phone number. We'll talk a little bit more about the AFC East. When we come back Miami versus new England, maybe for the second spot could be a conversation that we have. And then I wrote about the expansion draft for the Sabres at our website today. And we won't talk too much about that. Maybe we'll save that for the last segment, but I came to a conclusion. The Sabres need to do something on their blue line or they will without a trade. They will lose a good defenseman for
1: nothing. And that's something I think we <laughs> need to talk about. I'm, no, right. That doesn't sound like anything the Sabers would end up doing. Isn't uh? Isn't <laughs> ha, how long have we been saying the the Sabers need to make a trade on the on the blue line for my entire life?
2: Talinder Ludman is the last time I felt like they had they had six good defensemen.
1: Campbell, spotchak, Newman, and just saying these names it's makes sad. me smile. Oh, it makes oh, it makes me sad. It makes you sad. It makes me, ha- yeah, it, thinking of something positive about them. Okay. Yeah, it makes me sad just because it shouldn't take a franchise 15 years to find good defensemen. Yep. <laughs> well, it's taking this one this, that long, apparently. Um, we'll get to that, too, when we come back
2: on The Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney, eight hundred three zero.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart
3: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: 550 for your thoughts here on WGR.
1: For Josh Allen to continue to have layups, and I think that's the biggest thing. That they went into change the system this past year, as opposed to what it was the first couple years. They gave Josh Allen so many easy layup throws. You know, he can make the absolutely pinpoint difficult ones, but they don't ask him to do that on a throw-by-throw basis. And that's what Sanders has always been good at. He was great at that with the 49ers in that stint, that run to the Super Bowl, getting quick separation, getting open against zone coverage and man coverage against the middle of the field. uh, I really think that's going to just be a good depth signing and continue to just strengthen the strength of your team. Like that's what good teams do. They don't just sit, uh, you know, rest on their the laurels and like we've got Beasley and Diggs and Gabe Davis might break out or whatever like the wide receiver position is the basis of their offense right now you got to continue to build on that strength
2: Matt Harmon reception Yahoo Sports I think he probably knows more about the wide receiver position across the NFL than anybody I've ever listened to uh, he loves the Emmanuel Sanders signing he loves separation he also likes the Patriots moves more than I think most do. More for Aguilar. Now, again, he's big on, like, that number one priority for your wide receiver should be just their ability to get open mm. and to separate. And Nelson Aguilar especially does that. Probably he just
1: doesn't catch it. And he also got paid a lot more than he right. should have given the market.
2: Right, and he kind of separated the player from the contract. If you put them back together, it's okay, he just got more money than Will Fuller. And, like, come on. That's also in the AFCs, by the way, with the Dolphins. The The wide receivers in the division are a lot better than they were last year. Last year they were pathetic. I mean, I'm not saying these teams are yet at the Bills caliber. Because between Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, they probably have the deepest and maybe even at the top the best receiving core in football. Um, Miami, though, could get there. They could get close. If they go Jamar Chase... At three, and they come into the year with Jamar Chase, Will Fuller, and Devontae Parker. Yeah. I'm not sure Tua can get them the football more than five yards down the field, um, but that won't be a weakness of theirs anymore, and it might have been their number one weakness last year. The Bills didn't have, especially a number two corner, they weren't locking down everybody, and the Dolphins just couldn't get open at all against them, or really against anybody. It's all contested catches. So... Those are the two teams I want to talk about. Because one of those two is going to be the second seed in the East, And maybe one of them pushes the Bills. But I think the Bills ultimately will be the division winner. They will be the favorite. They actually, I think, the last I checked, are the most likely team in the league to win their division. That's maybe changed a little since New England added all these pieces. But I have a healthy respect for both of them. I wouldn't be stunned. I wouldn't be stunned, especially with the extra playoff team now
1: if there's 3 AFC East teams in the playoffs next year. Is that crazy? No, that's not crazy. I think I think the Dolphins are going to be good. I think I don't think they're getting we'll see some regression on defense and special teams. And yes. they won several games last year because of Returns. defensive <laughs> touchdowns, special teams touchdowns yeah. and turnovers, okay? So, you can take a couple wins off the board there, but I I'm not saying that they're not going to reach 10 again. They'll just have to be better on offense in order to get back to ten, and I think they can do that. I don't. I. I am not as low on Tua as a lot of people are. I think he can be a good game manager. I don't think that he deserved to be the fifth pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And I said that while he was in college. The guy had four first round receivers to throw to, and a offensive line that would dominate the opposing team's defensive line. I don't think that we got a fair, a full uh, grasp of who Tua is as a quarterback. But he's accurate enough that he Mm -hmm. won't kill you, right? Yeah. And if you surround him with the right pieces and you have a good defense, they absolutely are a team to be reckoned with. The Patriots and the Dolphins have the exact same
2: odds to make the playoffs at DraftKings Sportsbook, plus 137 to make it. No is minus 167. So the odds are telling you they're both more likely than not to miss, although they are very close.
1: Right. It's like that's a, almost a coin flip when yeah, that, you get into that, that kind of area. If you
2: combine the two, it actually might be more likely that one of the two will make it because they are so right. close. Yeah. Um, maybe it comes down to those two for that final spot. The Bills, by the way, if you're interested, they're going to be a heavy favorite. Yeah, minus 305 to make the playoffs. That's a heavy that, favorite. That actually seems
1: low to me. They To make the playoffs or win the division? To make the playoffs,
2: there are only three teams in the league with higher. What's with Kansas better. City,
1: like minus 700 or Kansas something? Kansas
2: City's yeah, they're minus 1,000. <laughs> 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 yeah, come on. <laughs> um, who else? But Baltimore is at minus 400. Green Bay and Tampa at minus 670. So I guess the Bills are fifth. That seems fair. They have a deep division. But yeah. still, I think they're going to be fine. Um the Dolphins and Patriots, I think it'll come down to. I think they're similar, though, in that they have very good rosters, and which quarterback doesn't let them down as much? You know? Yeah. Which quarterback's not going to lose them more games?
1: And that's That might why, be what it comes down to. And right now, I think Tua's a better player than Cam is. I think so, too. I'm not opposed to the idea you that think so tua will come back. Oh, my God.
2: Is that not good? It's good. Should toss it to break now. <laughs> I'm not opposed to the idea that Newton doesn't have a bounce-back year. I don't think he'll ever look like the Cam Newton he used to be, but... What do you mean by a bounce-back year, though? Like the guy- year of shoulder recovery and having better weapons? I do think there were plenty of throws. It doesn't matter who your wide receivers are, because it's five yards in front of them in the dirt. But I think it will help him if they his receivers are getting open twice as much as they were last year. Edelman last year was the only guy that separated. He only played five games. They didn't have a tight end to speak of. He loves throwing to tight ends. So I think there's a possibility Newton could be better than Tua this year.
1: I would pick Tua. Yeah, that's small where i pick, Small pickings compared to Josh Allen. But I, I'm still in the camp of the Patriots upgrades, quote-unquote, is more window dressing than anything. Because when you get down to it, I just don't think they have the offensive personnel to compete in a 17-game schedule. They can win a game here or there. They can win a couple games here or there. Can they, in a 17 game schedule, be one of the top seven teams in the conference? I just, right now, I'm at no. And that's the only reason I'm at no is because Cam Newton's their starting quarterback. If they went out and they got instead, had gotten Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'd be much more interested in them. Me too. I think they at least have an identity. Which
2: they did not last year. Last year they were just putting pieces together. They were throwing duct tape on their offense. Sure, like they couldn't. They were just trying to get through the season, and they were trying to have their defense special teams win them every game. Will they be some version of that again this year? It's possible. I think I would probably rank them near the bottom of the league. But last year I didn't think there was any scenario in which that would is even a middle of the pack offense. And this year, I could make a case that their ceiling is an average offense in football. Yeah. And if they come in, if they over the course of the season are an average offense, with all the pieces they're getting back on defense, and being consistently one of the best special teams teams in the league, yeah, I could see them. I could see their offense not limiting them as much as it has. See, here's like, and by the way, what their identity is. I said they have an identity. They've decided what they're going to be. They're going to be. A run-heavy team. Yes. They are going to always have two tight end sets. I think, was it Doug Farrar on the station yesterday? Doug Farrar was the one who said last year they only had eight snaps with two tight ends on the field. And that is a formation, is that 11 personnel? I always forget which is which. 11 personnel. With two tight ends? Yeah. is a 12. 12 personnel. They loved 12 personnel throughout the entire Tom Brady era. Last year they just didn't have the players to do it. And this year they're kind of returning to that. And they'll add in more mobile quarterback runs and RPOs and such. But um, to me, they at least they have a mindset of what they're trying to be. Last year, again, it was just let's get through the season.
1: Here's my thing, though: the Ravens run a really solid running offense, and they have a quarterback. Who is explosive on the ground and can make plays in the air. He hasn't we haven't seen the full Lamar Jackson through the air experience yet. Like I, I think their offense yep. is actually kind of limiting him in that in that way. And I think he could be better if they gave him more opportunity to be a thrower. Me too. But that's kind of beside the point. I just cannot see how this Patriots ensemble can even get close to what they have in Baltimore. Because Cam Newton is not Lamar Jackson at running the ball. He's not even Lamar Jackson at throwing the ball. The Ravens have more pieces offensively. I still the, the Ravens have a better tight end than, in my opinion, a better tight end than the two guys that the Patriots just gave a ton of money to. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews, to me, is a better tight end than Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith. And I don't see the Patriots getting to that level of an offense, and honestly, when the Ravens played teams like the Bills and the Chiefs, it really was never that close. They lost twice to the Steelers, who turned out to be not that good. They never really had a shot against the Chiefs, and they were held to three points against the Bills, and the Bills didn't even play that well offensively. So I don't see how the Ravens can compete with the big boys of the AFC with a watered-down, less efficient version of the Ravens' offense.
2: I think they can make the playoffs that way.
1: But I, I like, agree with like that like said, because the middle of the AFC is not very good. Right. It's a very top-heavy conference. That, I
2: still got the playoff odds open, by the way. Uh, Pittsburgh is the same as Miami and New England at plus 167, plus 137.
1: That sounds right to me.
2: Uh, Cleveland is a slight favorite to make it at minus 167. Uh, Who else do you want here? The Raiders, plus 275. What are the Colts at? Colts are minus 225. They are also the favorite to win the AFC South.
1: A lot of respect to to me. That seems crazy. Me too. I would would put the Titans as the favorite personally. Tennessee's minus 155. I don't think you can tell me that the Colts got better this year in this off season. I don't think they did. I think okay, I think
2: I think there's a potential that they got better if Wentz is any form of what he was prior to
1: last year. But I don't I'm not confident that that's going to happen. I think the Titans just won the division and yes, they yes. lost pieces, but they also got some pieces. Yeah, I just not... don't, I don't see <laughs> how, I don't see how that translates to the, this off season, how it translates to the Colts now being the favorites to win that division. I don't see I, it. I think the problem, maybe it is more about the Tennessee subtractions
2: because to this point, they still don't have anybody to throw the football to.
1: I still trust Ryan Tannehill I, more
2: than I, I, I Carson do. Wentz. I do, but man, like Tennessee at least had that card in their back pocket. They could drop back to pass, and Tannehill could throw it around. And they had weapons. They had, they still have A.J. Brown. He's dynamite. He's awesome. They had Corey Davis, who was a good number two wide receiver. I think, by the way, that's what he is for the Jets. He's a good number two wide receiver. He is overcompensating, or they're overplaying him if he's their number one. But he was good. Johnnie Smith, good tight end. But now you lose Davis. You lose Smith. They lost Khalif Raymond, too, who was their other guy. They lost Adam Humphreys, Humphreys their yeah. slot receiver. Who are they throwing the football to? Like at some point, you're going to have to drop back to pass and throw it. And Derrick Henry, you can't ru- have that game script every single game. If they play the Bills and the Bills get out in front by ten points, who does who does the, who do the Bills have to cover?
1: You know who they should have made a play for? John Brown. That would have been a great signing for them. The way they yeah. run play action and Tannehill's ability at the deep ball, I think well, John Brown would have run a really good signing for they, them. They do have reported interest in Sammy Watkins, but I mean he'll play seven games for them, and that'll be it. So
2: they they're nowhere right now in terms of weapons. May, where are they in the draft? Maybe they nat- tag a receiver, Rashad well, Bateman, late, something like that. Yeah, maybe maybe that. a rookie is the favorite to be their number two wide receiver. Yeah, they pick twenty two. That's that's Rashad Bateman, Bateman territory. Yeah, it's Bateman territory. Um, probably not the top three. You're not
1: getting no. Waddle or Smith. I think something catastrophic would have to happen to one of them in the yeah. pre-draft process.
2: All right, we'll take a timeout here. We'll switch gears to hockey for last call. When we come back, I wrote about the expansion draft today. I just want to go over that a little bit when we return on the nightcap with Joe DiBiasi and Brandon Key.
3: Well, I felt our team, just an observation, was confused and anxious at times. I never felt the effort wasn't there, the commitment wasn't there. There's been nothing like this season. So all of that said, we have had trouble scoring. And you look at sports and defense, and we know the importance of defense. That can hurt your confidence if your team can't defend itself and defend well. But not spoken often is offense and the damaging psychological impact of not being able to score.
2: Don Granado, Sabres interim head coach. He basically admitted there that the Sabres were confused by Ralph Kruger's system, didn't he? That's how it sounded to me. 803-0550. Uh, we've been putting it off. Saving it for the last segment. We're already really in, in off-season mode. You know, even though we just had a 9-month offseason not too long ago. <laughs> um, we are in offseason mode. I took a stab at the expansion draft uh, today. I felt you know, I like to I like to talk about and bring things up that I don't think anybody else is thinking about or talking about. And I felt the expansion draft was an area to do that. And I also wanted to know like going into the trade deadline, like is there a deal that they should make? to avoid losing a good player for nothing. Maybe this is all a moot point because they could just do something like they did last time where they gave Vegas a sixth-round pick to take Will Carrier. They gave them a draft pick to basically make the pick for them. Maybe they do that. Maybe they give them a third-round pick to take Tage Thompson. Wouldn't that be glorious, by the way? <laughs> I cannot watch that guy play hockey anymore. Um, but if that doesn't happen and they just go into the expansion draft and they just there's no side deal. As it stands right now, I actually if you you haven't played around with this at all yet, right? No. Okay. So the way it is right now, you have two options. You could go seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie. Or you could sacrifice two forwards and you could go eight skaters with one goalie. And I actually think in a rare circumstance, this Sabres team will go eight skaters. And they'll protect the extra defensemen and they will sacrifice two forwards protection to do that because as it stands right now and first and second year pros don't count so Dylan Cousins you don't even have to worry about Jeff Skinner has to be protected because he's got a no movement clause Eichel Skinner Reinhardt Olsen this is assuming no trades by the way for like big Reinhardt or Eichel deals Eichel Skinner Reinhardt Olsen find me another forward where I can make a serious argument Why that guy has to be protected Middle stat might get you close because he's having a bounce back year, but if you turn now to the blue line, you've got Dalene, Yoki Haru, Ristolainen, Borgen, McCabe's UFA rights. If you wanted to re-sign him, you would have to protect him. Colin Miller, Montour, same boat as McCabe. Although I would imagine they trade him. I can't. I don't think that's a long-term thing there. So. I would want to be able to protect four defensemen. I like Darlene, Yoki, Haru, Borgen, and McCabe for that. And that means finally getting the Ristolainen trade that we've been waiting eight years for. That's the way I see the expansion draft right now.
1: Part of me almost would prefer to protect Middlestat over Ristolainen.
2: Well, I'm also not protecting Ristolainen.
1: Right, because you're trading.
2: Well, because I'm protecting McCabe and Borgen. And Yoki Haru.
1: So you're just straight up trading Ristolainen.
2: Yeah. Otherwise, I this again without a side oh, deal. I, okay, so I see. So you so
1: you're, you're just if you can't find a trade, then you're leaving him unprotected. Well,
2: essentially, what their current setup is, even if they go with the eight skater approach, you are saying goodbye to either McCabe in free agency, or you're saying goodbye to Ristolainen, Yoki Haru, or Borgen for nothing, if you don't make another trade. That's their current situation. And you can't have that. And if you you did have that, scared to death, they would pick Ristolainen. Because that relationship is coming to an end. He's a UFA in 2022. He's got one more year on his contract after this season. Even if the Sabres want him back on an extension, which would blow my mind, but it could be possible, (laughs) there's no way Ristolainen is staying here. You know how many times he's talked about how frustrating it is to lose and how, like, that's all he knows? Like, the guy totally wants to go to a good team. Totally wants to go to a good team. He's There was a report, was it a year ago, that Finnish newspaper that he wanted to trade? Like, come on. The guy, even if you want Ristolainen back, he's not staying. Right. So, imagine them picking 82 games of Ristolainen over promising defensemen like Yogi Hari or Borgen. Like, to me, that's can't happen or even McCabe picking him over McCabe because that's way more likely that they would keep him around he would probably cost half as much I don't see the Ristolainen relationship going past next season so you might as well just move him now
1: at a time of the year where the playoffs are approaching GMs just, it's fall just, in
2: love with that type of player going into the playoffs
1: if they fall in love with that kind of player how come a move hasn't been made already because they the Sabres love him too I think but now
2: you they have to recognize that it's going to end soon whether they like it or not and now you got to move him now there's pressure to move him before he had 4 years left on his
1: contract what what do you think realistically you get out of a line and trade